Hey, what's going on, guys? Nate Phillip back again with another episode of the Pokey Talk Podcast. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. We're just, uh, we were chit-chatting for the last 30 minutes and we realized, you know, we should probably start recording. <laughs> yeah, so this episode's going to be about Collecticon Kansas City 2023, which is happening this weekend when this, uh, episode goes up we will be pretty much on the the way way back or Mm -hmm. just have gotten home or something like that yeah so this is kind of going to be our collection goals and expectations and you know what to expect and uh kind of talk about what we're bringing we can pretty much you know i feel comfortable saying what i'm going to bring because by the time everyone hears this we're going to be done with the convention yeah so uh yeah, kind of talk about our goals again, too, because a lot of my changes and my thoughts and goals over the last six months, especially with the Japanese craze, um, it's basically leading to why I wanted to do this. And we've been talking about this a lot already, how we can't wait for CollectCon and, and me especially, because I've been holding on to a big old stack ready to sell. So uh, finally happening six days so, yeah, I'm super excited. For sure, for sure. But Yeah, we'll talk about a little news first. Uh, not a whole lot going on. No. But uh, I know you wanted to mention a couple things there. No, we got 151 yeah, so, news. It's still yeah. pretty hot. I would say that was basically really the only news um, that we could see was they are obviously doing more printing for the Pokemon card 151. And it seems like they are going to have to rethink how they do their printing and distribution process going forward, at least on the Japanese side of things. You know, it's reached the point where a lot of people either collect both the Japanese and English or the subset who collect primarily Japanese has increased substantially. And obviously we mentioned this ad nauseum. Why? Because of the quality and getting so much bang for your buck. Because you get like six sort of like reverse hollow or, you know, not not quite six, depending on the, the pack, obviously. But it feels like every pack, there's a hit. And because of that, it feels like you get more bang for your buck and it's much more enjoyable to open. Yeah, it is a pretty cool set, and uh, we didn't talk about this in the last episode because nobody really knew or paid attention, but you know how the reverse hollows are like Pokeballs? Well, there's some cards in like boxes. I, I don't remember how many per box or if it's one per box, but there's a Master Ball reverse hollow variant as well. So it's, uh, it's the same Pokeball layout, but instead of a Pokeball, it's a Master Ball. So another layer of collectability. Um, I think it's ingenious. It's uh, yeah, it's an amazing set. Um, as far as the fundamentals go, we we kind of voiced our opinions on the actual artwork or quality of the set. Um, could have been better for sure, but uh, yeah, the overall fundamentals having the Pokeball reverses, the Master Ball reverse chasers. And just the classic 151 Pokemon, you know, everything all together is just a really solid product. And people are going crazy. Um, I did pull up the article on Poke Beach. Said that the new batch in Japan will arrive July 21st. But companies might be holding on to the product in warehouses since it's not a new product. 
you know, it kind of, it's essentially ensuring that they have it, but the, the for sure timeline should be that week of July 21st. And, uh, they've also learned that Pokemon is implementing a new strategy for release of ruler of the black flame, the next set coming up. Apparently the first wave of products will be smaller than usual, presumably to satisfy diehard fans of the set's July 28th release. I don't know how that's satisfying the diehard fans, like, because that's what they normally do. So I don't know why printing less would be better. But uh, essentially, a second wave is going to be much larger, will arrive in stores early August to the general public. So maybe they're thinking, like, let's not overstretch ourselves on the first wave. Let's just release a little bit. Let people who want the set overpay and then mm-hmm. just have a massive flood, you know, afterwards. So Instead of saying, you know, impulsive or successful to FOMO fans, they say diehard fans. I think that was a very, very kind way to, <laughs> to who were that, honestly. But... Yeah, it's a weird strategy, but they're still figuring things out. It's, this isn't going to be the the only strategy they try, I'm sure. But no. Yep, it's uh, pretty cre- pretty crazy though. But uh, even Snow Burst and Clay Hazard sold out within a day of release, and you know the 151 has just been on a whole another level. And then they even you know like we talked about, they were made to order. So anybody who wanted to order one could order one, but they aren't really shipping. They're going to be shipping in multiple waves at the end of the year. But pretty much anyone who wants a box is guaranteed one box through that program. So there's multiple layers of things. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see all the changes they make. But... If you're holding long-term anyway, that's a great program because you're going to get it at MSRP even if you get it six months later when the boxes could potentially be at an all-time low. You know, if you're holding it long-term, you shouldn't care about that. So, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk on the Pokey Beach Forum regarding what they're doing here. And, you know, yes, there is a going to be a couple month period where folks that want the product, they're going to be out paying. But, you know, there's other people, folks saying it's like, you know, it's easy to go around this. Just stop paying these people on eBay, you know, and, and that's we've been saying that for a while. Like, ultimately, can you blame the scalpers having in that position when the amount of people that are falling into FOMO are purchasing from these individuals? I mean, nobody likes scalpers, right? But like, ultimately, if you're making a decision to pay for it. Is it really their fault when we know and they have worded there's going to be plenty of product in just a few months? Yeah, I don't know. I and this this is where there there is a certain level of fiscal responsibility that you have to expect expect from this market. And if you're giving in, knowing that like you're you're speculating, right? At this point, it's like oh, it's going to be insane profits. You know you're not seeing the, th- the forest through the trees. So I think that's something where, yes, it sucks, but if you have a little bit of patience and not have to post your your polls on social media as soon as you get it to show everybody and have some social media clout that lasts for about two seconds, then sure, you know, go ahead and overpay. But 
if you're more patient and just want to actually enjoy the product, then just will w- hate a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's kind of why I'm, I didn't even do a pre-order through the uh, English UPC for the Pokemon Card 151 set. Knowing how much Charizard is at, like 95 bucks, $100 shipped, you kidding me? You kidding me? I'm not paying 140 shipping. <laughs> I'll just wait a month. <laughs> People are still buying them off shelves pretty easily, and they're overpaying because right? they get them cheaper online. Right? So, yeah, they'll print that one to the ground. Um, so, yeah, they've shown their potential to print something to the ground, like the Charizard UPC. But, yeah, we'll we'll see what's going on. I would think the Mew may not be printed as much, but it will be printed at least within like 85% of that capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, so apparently, it's going to be... Apparently yeah. the only gold card, too, is the Mew. Like, you're not even getting the Mewtwo gold yep. or metal, I mean. It seems like it's it's slightly less value. Yeah. So I don't know what they're thinking with that. Best one is still the Celebrations UPC. I mean, those are still doing well because, I mean, that one's so far gone now. They probably are never reprinting that. Kind of follows the same values of the Eevee Hero Special Box that we talk about a lot. You know, it's those two products are the grails, and I don't know if we'll see anything better than those two products as far as Ultra Modern goes because now they're they're figuring things out. So, those might be the kings of the sealed product as far as the last couple of years go. Yep. I mean, I always think the EV Heroes box being like, what, 11, 1200, and they bottomed out in 2020. So, it's been three years and they've nearly tripled in price. Yep. I mean, I haven't taken a look at what the uh, Celebrations UPC are. I assume it's around 500. Let me look up the old special box here. Yeah, my internet's crapping out, so the bandwidth internet, cable internet absolutely sucks. I feel like this, I you know, when I moved to my new place, I was like, oh, it's like a much more modern facility. It's going to have great, much better internet. Not so fast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the socket thing is just something I kind of forgot about doing. Um, I knew there's like another task on my agenda, and I was like, what was it, what was it? And then when we started recording, I was like, ah, yeah. That's that was the other thing I was I was supposed to do. <laughs> well, looks like the last looks like EV Heroes booster boxes are going for three hundred dollars right now. Which that's about expected. The last EV Heroes special box one sold on May eighteenth or May nineteenth. Best offer around a thousand dollars. The next one didn't sell until the hype kicked in for $21.99. Looks like around $400 for the sealed uh, UPCs, which actually isn't that bad, with all things considered. Yeah. Because that is an item that I think will go over $1,000. Yeah, for sure. At least over $1,000. So, I mean, and, you know, 2 to 3K is actually definitely feasible. So, looks like there was only one special Eevee Heroes box sold during the hype, and it was $2,100. Because one sold July 7th 
few days ago for seventeen hundred dollars. So they're they're cooling off, but I mean, still, even if they cool off a little more at fifteen hundred, that's insane. We well, that means they've talking gone. About that means it since day one. Yeah, well, they did. They did go up to two thousand. I wasn't even paying attention. That that was a jump within a month. So I wasn't even paying attention during the hype. But yeah, this. So that's gone up in three years. That's gone up five times. Yeah. Well, it was I mean, you know the June the June uh, Japanese hype that just yeah. exploded. Those. Oh yeah, for sure. Too. But yeah, I I looked at it. I think just like a week or two before that hype, and I. So I, I was like, oh, that's still around thirteen hundred, but I haven't checked since then. I was like, dang it, you know, I I, I didn't think it went up, went up that high, um, but yeah, I mean, if I didn't sell those car, my so I sold my bots. We were actually talking about this uh, whenever we Nathan and I were about to buy Lorcana, and I was taking a look at eBay, and I'm like, Nathan, I really hate the fact that I'm about to sell this, and I was like, but trust in Lorcana. And I did. I mean, I know I kind of told the story or variations of it for a little bit, but ultimately I sold mine for 540 540 off eBay. Um, and that was in September slash October of last year. Yeah. So since October of last year, it was around six, 700 on eBay. Um, but if you were paying attention to like the listings that were there, I was like, it's pushing. It wants to push to eight to 900. Like within a couple months, I was like, it's gonna be within eight to nine hundred, and it was. And a few months after that, it was at like eleven, twelve hundred, and the hype caused it to go even higher. Yeah, or now, I mean, there's one listing per month: one in May, one in June, hype, and yeah. then one in July. But... Like, if you, I, I wish at the time I had more money because I wanted to buy like two and three, but I didn't have the money to be able to do that. Same. But, and I even sold all my sealed except for that and the, mm-hmm. the celebrations UPC, like the two things we've been talking about. But yeah, when Lorcana came, like obviously we made the the right call there. We um, did, but it still it hurts. Yeah. I mean, I made a I made I made the right move, but me being somebody that you know I try to maximize every sell that I can, and I knew I was selling low or like kind of low, and. I hated, I kind of hated myself for, it, but the the thing that made it through it was it's worth it because the gains are going to be totally worth it for these for the set, and it, and it was the gains were, yes, that was five hundred percent that it went up, but these have gone up a thousand percent. Yeah. So I mean, it was like it well, sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, and we've talked about, you know when you need to sell or how thinking our when to buy, when to sell episode, we talked about, you know, selling into another collectible or selling a card for another card, like those situations, you know, it's not like you're selling the card for cash and then just blowing the cash. Like you're making other plays. So yeah, if like, if you look at what I did, like I sold everything, I bought Lorcana, I bought, the uh, promos I was chasing, which also went up like insane. So like, it's just a rolling process. People say like, how do you have like such crazy collection? And it's all about just navigating these plays. Like I want this and I think it'll go up. Okay. I know it's going to go up more, but I want this other card and I think that's going to go up. So I'm going to slide over here, slide over there. You know, that's, that's how you build your collection. And, you know, that's a, exactly what you did. You went from 
having like scraping together $2,000 and now you have a set that's worth over 10, 20,000. So it's just all about being knowledgeable and making the plays, but that's what we're going to be trying to do at the Collecticon though. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I guess we can overall, let's talk about our goals for Collecticon first. Like what is your, overarching goal and how are you going to go about doing that? I want to say, yeah, you can go ahead and go first because I think you're, you got more of a, of a list than me. I'm kind of ambiguous. I don't really have a set thing. So it's just multiple avenues for me. Nothing really like more like you have a more of a focus, actually concrete thing in mind. So, yeah. So I uploaded a video to my Pokemon channel. Aside from this, it was by the time you're listening to this, it was about a week ago, um, the weekend before you're listening to this. But I have a spreadsheet on there. I pretty much took my entire collection and researched what everything was worth, broke down like, okay, if I sold everything, that is a possibility. There's, I, I even priced out Lorcana. I priced out my Mario Pikachu. So I have cards on there that, I'm for sure not selling unless, you know, something crazy happens. But included in that list on a separate side of the spreadsheet is a list of cards that I'm absolutely for sure, like, these are sales no matter what. So that's my overall goal is to sell that list. And uh, if I pull up the spreadsheet now, I, uh, I show this in the video as well. I have the market price, like what the last sold was. So overall, the total card value is about four thousand. Um, then I have a column where it subtracts fifteen percent, roughly what I would make if I sold it on eBay, and it comes out to be like thirty six hundred. Then I have minus thirty percent. This is likely pretty much the best case scenario of what I could expect at the show, and that's only around three thousand. So if I went the eBay route, I'd be making like $600 more, but you got to factor in all the work and all the shipping and all that stuff. So if I can get this 30% market value for around 3000 bucks like that, that's just going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of keeping track of everything. I'm going to put a list like I'm going to list and maybe do an update video of like what I actually sold things for. So that'll be cool. Um, but yeah, I'll give an update when it comes. I have a couple of good cards on there. I have a, a PSA six shadowless Charizard I'm bringing. So that alone, you know, is about $500 of that value. Those, those expensive cards like that, I'm probably going to be leaning more towards the 15% mark so I would have to find someone who like actually wants the card because they want the card you know and because if you know if a vendor's looking to just resell it they're going to be around that 30% off market value or even a little more depending what card it is but for like the big cards like a Shadowless Charizard I have some Evolution Zard Hollows I have a Lenticular Deoxys from Space Fissure, which is also like a $500 card. 
Um, what are the other notable ones? I have a OG McDonald's Squirtle Hollow from like 2002. That one's like uh, 200 bucks. Pikachu Level X. Japanese. PSA 9. That dude's a couple hundred bucks. Special Delivery Bidoof. Bringing him along. So yeah, a few few cool cards in there. I also have the uh, beauty looking back Pikachu and Cramorant promos in PSA nine from the stamp box. So those are kind of in a section on their own. Um, I might be bringing my grand party PSA nine. So those last three cards that I mentioned, the stamp box promos and grand party, those are cards in the price range where if I like sell this stuff. I can pretty much buy them on the spot if they're at the show. So I wanted to bring those along just in case uh, we find one of those. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's really my main goal. But like you said before the show, which maybe you'll talk about this, I, I'm pretty much bringing everything. I have that box full of cards. I, I have my Charizards in a separate stack because those are, you know, I'm looking more of the 15% price. But then I, I just pulled out a little stack of card savers of loose cards like raw cards that i'd probably sell for like hey do you want this stack for like 50 bucks <laughs> you know that that's like a bad scenario but it's worth probably more like a, a hundred because there's a i don't know there's like a chancy base set first edition kangaskhan hollow that's probably a psa 6 umbreon b max dark gyarados from the japanese anniversary packs there's just some, it's just kind of a catch-all random stack. So, figured it might as well be the place to sell it if I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I mean, these we've learned from the last time we were there that there's a lot of incentive to, to sell at these venues. And now this year eBay has changed or has postponed the tax law through electronic third-party payments for at least one more year, meaning it's the old law with, you know, up to 20,000 sold, 200 sales. Yeah. And now, because of that, obviously, you can sell up to $20,000. And now, it's worth being able to sell at these places because if you're either going to sell above that or if you're just not wanting to deal with it, there's a lot of incentive to be able to get 75% cash right then and there. Keep in mind, it's only a 10% difference. You know, and if it, depending on what it is, some places might give you up to 80% trade as well. Yeah. Yeah, my overall goal is to for sure sell that stack. And then ideally, I would have the loose raw stack and that entire stack of my spreadsheet sheet sold. And then hopefully there's someone there with the PSA 10 stamp promos or a green party and I can wheel and deal for that. Um, and ideally have like a stack of Charizards as like trade fodder or cash. So that that's my ideal situation. Those three cards are what I'm hunting. You know, the stamp Pikachu, stamp Cramorant, and the green party in a 10. If any of those are there, that's it's going to be like, okay, got to get it. But even if I bought those and sold my other stuff, I'll still have some cash. I thought about maybe looking for E-Series hollows, 
try to fill out my uh, Watsy binder, but we didn't really see many of those last year, and I feel like if anyone has those, I mean, they're grading them, so... Yeah, we hard saw... I, I was just going to say, I mean, we remember what we saw. We There was there was a decent amount of Watsy, not a whole lot of first edition. Um, not even a lot of Neo. Yeah, th- th- that's the next thing I was about to mention was after Neo, what would it be? Revelation, you didn't see much. So you saw a bunch of Neo Discovery, or not, uh, not ne- Neo Genesis. Yeah. And, but you didn't see much Neo Destiny. You didn't see much. Of... Or if someone does have a binder of that stuff, like Neo and E series, like that'd be a thing where like people buy it first thing in the morning on Saturday. Like another vendor probably bought it from another vendor. You know, it's just one of those things that won't be around long if it is there. But... Yeah, Neo Genesis and Discovery. Uh, I was getting my sets the order in which they came out. You saw a bunch of Genesis and a bunch of Neo Discovery. You saw very little Revelation, and you saw almost no Neo Destiny. Yeah. So that stuff is getting bought up. And I think a lot of people are either, depending on what it is. I know if you're big enough, like with Vince's Yeti Gaming, he he doesn't have everything that that he can sell posted. There's some things he keeps back. Now, I don't know, like, you know, what it is. I'm not trying to speculate or anything. I'm just saying people that have as much money to be able to set things back like he can, because there are multiple sellers that can, you sit on it and you just kind of either get it graded or you wait or what, whatever. And, you know, I wonder how many of those people are doing that, collectors and, and investors as well, being more, more individuals. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of how I am. Like I, you know, I overarching have this small inventory of promos that I'm looking at and, uh, just pretty much I want less, but I don't want to lower the value of my collection. So I'm starting to go after some bigger cards and I just, I just don't want a whole lot instead of splitting my focus between 50 cards, I'd rather have like a stack of like five to 10 cards that I cherish even more, you know? So that's kind of where I'm heading with these promos, but, um, yeah. What are, what are some of your goals aside from like hunting those binder cards? You had anything in focus? I know you're, Um, you're kind of on a, uh, uh, so, what would you call it? A mission? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say I'm on a mission. Well, I guess I am in some ways, but not the mission that you might expect. The mission I'm on is a mission to find a potential buyer for the RCS cards so I can potentially do a, a thing, uh, a transaction in person. Um, that'd be my first. I have actually a backup of a backup of a backup. If that doesn't happen, like, the, you know, we don't know how much these cards are going to get, but I have plans in place to be able to do everything smoothly sell some on ebay sell some to potentially um yeti gaming with vince maybe just hold on to some like there is options i have depending on what might happen now just depending on like how far it goes but ultimately it would be incredible if i can be one and done and sell the whole thing in a cash transaction to a private buyer 
Um, and I, if they have to make a little bit of money, it is what it is. But a lot of these places are going to be able to potentially get more because they don't have a brick and mortar store like Yeti has. And so he, obviously he's got to have lower mar- higher margins to be able to make the same amount of money. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things. Mainly, I the main things I'm going just like last year, selling what remains from the, the junk slabs because you know we didn't get everything in time last year. We got one more. Uh, yeah, we got, we had one more order, right? Yeah, in October, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we had one more after after the fact that it was a little too late. And these are basically what I haven't been able to sell since then. And it's nothing special. You got some like Evolution PSA nine, some hit, like Hidden Fates tens, like some modern, some ultra modern stuff that I might get ten to thirty bucks cash. You know, um, now. I am going through my stuff actually right now. Uh, I got out my my case to see what would be worth it to potentially sell if the right thing came along. Now, what that thing is, I'll get to here momentarily. But uh, essentially, in addition to those slabs that nobody cares to hear about, so I won't waste my breath saying what they are, there are a couple that are worth mentioning. And now, I don't necessarily want to sell these but if the right option came along I, i'm bringing them with me for the availability now some of those cards are the special delivery pikachu that we got in the nine which i'll have to obviously rebuy later down the road because it is a card i want but it's been pretty much the same price for the last three years and yeah. i imagine in a nine it's going to continue <laughs> to be not too far from there so whatever sell it now um, buy them all back, including special delivery Bidoof under the right circumstances after I sell Arcana. Uh, but then there's a level X, uh, Lux Ray, which apparently is maybe 90 bucks because it's only PSA 8, so that's maybe 70 bucks, not much. But I am bringing the Munch Retrospective side up, PSA 9. Yeah. Now, that's a card I do not want to sell at all. I mentioned how it's one of my favorite all-time cards, but at the same time, it just saw a spike, and I obviously would be able to put towards something that'd be worth it, and I, I don't imagine increasing too much and be able to just buy it back. Yeah. And the other cards... I think I might cool off a little bit. Yeah. So there is also these uh, the Arceus that, were, that was in... They're both 10s, and they are sequential 10s, for a mythical and legendary Dream Shine collection, um, I don't know if you've seen the the Arceus. Uh, the the full art's one of the best Arceus cards that they've ever made, in my opinion. And that's going for around the set sequential, probably three hundred. I imagine I'll get somewhere around two two twenty five for them. All in all, like I have just enough to potentially trade in for a ten, if I wanted to, for like a Mickey ten. Or like a PSA 9 Elsa, if it's there. Now, I'm not expecting these cards to be there, though, is the thing. The Mickey, maybe, but the Elsa, I would be really surprised if the Elsa, if we would see one. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know if we'll see Lorcana there. Um, I think a lot, like pretty much everyone should know about it now, and I'm sure we'll yeah. meet some vendors who are making plays. Because, um, yeah, when we asked everybody last year, like one person knew about it, and then like 
this other guy like knew about it and was like actually trying to get involved. Yeah. So there, there was like two people everyone else is like, no, I haven't heard of that. Like, you know, actual vendors there. So like we kind of knew a lot more than the actual vendors on that. I was going to say, and then there was some people that said, oh, I've heard about that. And it made it seem like they were just like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Just to try to get, get the conversation flowing to move on to the next person. Yeah. There was there was a little bit of that. We had like two people that I, I kind of got that vibe from, which is, you know, completely fine. But like, yeah. I just didn't think they really heard much. Besides, They m- might have heard the name Wakan before, but didn't know anything about it. Yeah, you, for sure. You know what I mean? But I also don't think like with Lorcana, right? It's it's kind of weird. We're waiting to see how the set goes and if it's gonna like take off and all that. Um, I think all the hype is already factored in to the card prices, really, because like we did see them jump quite a bit from two thousand for a set to you know going up to eight thousand, and then all the graded prices, of course, like people have factored in the hype for sure. Um, to an extent, I would say. But I think there, there's also layers of that. I think a lot of people are still unaware of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, in the extent, TCG world. Yeah, but it, it could be... Like, if it doesn't get any traction at all, yeah, people... There's going to be a lot of people who see it on the shelves. So if just one person sees it on the shelf and, like, goes on a deep dive, it's like, oh, my God, like, what is this card game? And then they find the D23 set. Like, that's one less set. And we're only talking about, what, 900 sets? So, yeah, like... Less than that and a 10. Yeah, so that's definitely true. Like, just more people discovering it. um, Yeah, will lead to more of those getting scooped up especially if there's any like craze like i think that part of it is factored in but if the game comes out and then there's like a craze where like the doubters start believing in it because that's that's the thing right now a lot of people even big collectors have like sold their promos since they went up and it's probably you know a good call just like we're talking about earlier like selling i'm sure they put the money in to other things um just like we did but uh this thing takes off and it actually gains traction and it's fun which it it looks very promising to do so then that's just going to be a whole nother layer like everyone with the collector sets wants to hang on people who held off to see if it took off they're gonna want to get in people discovering the product and like playing the product will be discovering the, the set as well so yeah that's I think everything's factored in people are just kind of waiting to see like how much of that is true and to me it's looked pretty promising so yeah but I was going to say another thing too about like you said what to bring like you're bringing a lot of that stuff you don't really want to sell it but if the opportunity's there or something pops up, you want to be ready. And yeah, that, that's my, you know, that's my space fissure deoxys and my grand party. Like I don't want to sell those unless I find a 10, but 
yeah, I'm bringing them just in case. And it, it almost makes me want to bring my Scream Mimikyu and Mario Pikachu, but that that's just too much for me. I'm already carrying a lot, so I don't want to overstretch myself. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I just did a math. Like, I'm around, like, in terms of what I would be able to get, everything I'm bringing, I think it's between two and 3,000. You know, so it's, I mean, people, I know people are going to have one card that equals that they're, they're bringing, right? Like I, you know, I can play, I'm completely familiar with that, but to me, you know, to them, that's probably not for me, but that, that is a decent amount of money. Um, and that's enough to potentially, so I just kind of looked at what the PSA 10 Mickeys are going for. You know, I bet somebody based on the market rate, unless it's a very stubborn seller, if I shove shove them twenty five cash right then and there, they probably take it. Yeah. And that's essentially what I'd be willing to, to do it for, because then I would have a complete ten set, not sequential, but complete ten set. And at that point, yeah, I'm 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 all in on it. And while you say you think it's faster than I think it is to an extent amongst the available, amongst the knowledgeable individuals and those who have already purchased. I agree. But you've also kind of hinted at one of the other factors as well, is the amount of people that are willing to buy, are aware of these cards to buy, and who want to buy. Now, I think a lot of people are still just kind of wait and see because they don't want to dish out that money yet. And that's, that's completely understandable. To us, you know, it was like 2000 So it wasn't, and we sold some of our seal stuff to get it. But to other people, you're looking at anywhere from three to 20000 you know, right now. So a lot of people aren't going to make that move unless it looks like, oh, this thing is going to be a huge hit. Yeah, for sure. Now, I think because there is only, there's less than 200 complete 10 sets that you can possibly have. Well, actually, I haven't looked at it in, in about a month, so I am curious to, to see if that's increased. But yeah, by the time people start getting interested, you're looking at two 250 complete sets. That's it. Of those two to 250, how many of them are investors speculators and how many of those people are true investors that's or true collectors for for this that's what you you kind of have to wave through so because all you need is 300 people wanting to buy these sets which really isn't that much if you think about it especially think about the reach of disney and how many individuals are in the investing aspect for pcg and it really isn't that much you know you get enough disney influencers who want in and they're like Pokemon influencers who want it as an investing avenue. All of a sudden, that two two fifty dries up real quick. Yeah, forcing, no I mean, like, I mean, you're. I I agree in saying that I do believe that the market has factored into at the current level of the market. However, all you need is the right growth and the right awareness of the of the items to potentially shove the items upward up to two to even three X. And I don't think that's crazy if it's to think if it's successful. Now I think, you know, you're, it is kind of hopeful, obviously, and I, I will admit that, but I don't see how there isn't at least a near two X increase by the time the set two comes out. That that's, I think that's going to be at least 40,000 for the set by the end of the year. That's my opinion on it. But yeah, in the in the dream situation where there's hype and craze and everyone wants it, everyone's opening it. Yeah, for sure that it is possible. It is like still stretch for me, but yeah, 
And like what I was saying with it all being factored in, I think people for sure have it all factored in. But like I said, too, like with that, there's a lot of doubt and stuff that's weighing it down. Mm-hmm. Because so. they want to see how it how it goes. And the first set, so far from the cards they, they've released, unless they're keeping certain cards close to close to their chest, which is definitely possible, I could see their first two sets being strictly um, game-focused. I could totally see that because they want to make sure the game is fully functional. Now, I could also see them having a couple cards they release in this set, like one, two, or three, that are like alt-arts, essentially, or secret rares. Yeah, by my all parts, I'm not see, saying that. Yeah, maybe a couple. And I'm not saying necessarily it's a full art. I'm not saying that they're, they're going to go that route, but I could see it being an alternate artwork of the card and having the same function. Yeah. But not be like a full art sort of thing. And I could see them making that rare, and I could see them making it to where it's actually functional and ter- or actually uh, very alluring to collectors. Because you need. You do need a little bit of a basis for collectors, not just this collector set. You do need something in that, in that at least by set two, in my, my opinion. Mm-hmm. But but that's just me. Well, and it's also interesting because uh, Ryan Miller, every time they talk about, you know, well, are you making stuff for collectors or what? Like, they are very vocal that their focus is on the playing aspect which is kind of what else. I figured. Yeah. yeah, which is kind of what I figured. Yeah. That's why I could see them the first sets not having anything collector's focused. The first year, I could see that, actually. Yeah. You know? For sure. I mean, yeah. And, uh, I mean, maybe they never do. I mean, because, you know, they're all about the organized play, they're all about local game stores. There's a game store down close to my hometown that announced a couple weeks ago that they're going to be an official. Lorcana stores, so they'll get the, uh, you know, we talked about this before, they're going to send these stores promo packs to, like, not like packs of cards, but, like, packages to run their events. So they're going to probably get exclusive playmats, exclusive promos to hand out for people playing. Um, so, yeah, there is a huge focus on the play aspect and in-store events, just like Magic. So maybe we never see Lorcana be as collectible, you know, as Pokemon because it's focused around gameplay. That's kind of how it is in Magic. But even in Magic, the early cards are, you know, Black Lotus is on par with a first edition base at Charizard as far as price goes. So even if it's a, even if it's a playable focus, like the D23 set, is the only thing right now that we've seen remotely or exclusively for collectors, and it might be the only thing. So Yeah, and in which case, you know, that could really create a huge bottleneck in 15 to 20 years if it's that successful. But, you know, for me, I'm prepared to sell. If I do end up selling, what I'll end up doing is basically selling everything besides the Elsa is what my plan is. Like, that's what I mean. I have, like, a backup of a backup. Like, hopefully it gets to a point where I can sell, just sell everything besides the Elsa and the Mickey, and then basically just take the money, be completely out of debt. So, you know, the for me, I see it as there's a win-win situation. Oh, and buy my Mario card. So it's like, 
for me, the way I see it, it's a win-win situation. I, I can't possibly lose. It just depends on knowing when to sell, and that will just depend on a lot of the things. So, but oh, and that's and that is, I think I think I was saying this, but yeah, basically, I'm not bringing my, my whole set. Nathan and I were kind of like talk, talking about this, like should I bring just one or two? But then, will that? How, how would you see that? Would that look kind of awkward? Like you know, imagine like you know, we know each other, but to these guys, I'm just chum dude, chum chum douche, you know. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, you got these Lorcana cards? Okay. So I'm not, like, I don't want to, I want to actually facilitate a potential buyer in person with these individuals and, like, a good communication. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to expect anybody. I'm, I'm not really expecting to find anybody. But the idea is, essentially, either I can meet somebody, I could fly out to Denver in October, but I don't expect these cards that have increased the price I want by then, I expect it won't be till the end of the year, to be honest with you, like Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, but if I know these people, I could still potentially meet. It'll be worth flying out and meeting them. Mm -hmm. So the idea is facilitating mm -hmm. a nice communication and nice relationship, business relationship with somebody that might have the money. Well, even if you're talking a deal that big, like, you know, it's very common. Oh, like, okay, we agreed on this price. I'll shave off another thousand dollars if you fly to me, you know, that right mm -hmm. there. I mean, when you're talking 30 K, you know, Oh yeah, I'll take 29 K if you fly to me and save us the stress of all that. <laughs> yeah. You know? that, 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 that would be what I'd prefer. I would prefer them to fly to me and it to happen on a weekday. Yeah. Cause then I can go straight to a bank that, and I feel more, or I can do it at a bank. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that whole part is where I'm not, not sure. That's why I want to meet the person potentially beforehand. So it's not a sketch. Yeah. Like, because I'm very anxious and paranoid about like meeting somebody with this big of a transaction that I've never met. Yeah, for sure. But, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, uh, I have all my cards laid out right now. I mean, what I'm looking at right now is my, Stamp box promos at Deoxys and the Grand Party Trainer. If I can come home with an empty bag and these four cards in a 10, like that would be an insane scenario. I don't think it'll well, go that perfectly. <laughs> but Yeah, and who knows what's there, but we're also not going to get there till a little bit later, which I don't think is going to be a huge deal. But we've never gotten at this event on Saturday early. Yeah. Like before they let it in. And I would be like some guys said, oh, it's insane. It was insane. I mean, people throw throw a word that term insane, bro, so much. It's lost all meaning to me. You you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It used to be like an adjective to describe something like almost like a slang. But now people use it so much. It's actually lost all meaning, in my opinion. It just means cool now. <laughs> and <laughs> I almost <laughs> like it more because, you know, the you get the first open door rush like we'll be kind of fashionably late where people which is fine are, to me yeah are getting in there um and yeah i don't know i think sunday getting there early when there's less people is even better i mean you run the risk of people staying up too late and you know getting to the show late but you also have all these vendors who after the show they're trading amongst each other 
So then Sunday you get to see like everything, get to see all the vendors reset, like everything out there. It's the last day they're looking to go home with money in their pocket. So yeah, I think Sunday morning is the the better day to get there early in my opinion. Obviously yeah. there's deals Saturday, but there's a sense of like vendors might not want to put certain things out. They want to see how the first day goes. Yeah. If the first yeah. if the first day goes well, then they want to just put everything out there. If the first day goes bad, they want to mark stuff down to make sure it goes. So yeah, you get you get the the good stuff on Sunday. Well, and another thing is, we're also I imagine we learned also la- last year Saturday was significantly more busy than Sunday. Um, Saturday was so much more busy that by like what mid afternoon, probably half the place had already cleared. Yeah, like by four o'clock, it was probably at least half of the peak capacity, and then I would say. Sunday at peak capacity, it was basically at that 50% point is what I would kind of use to describe it. Um, Like a lot of people just wanted to do one day. Most people aren't in the situation that we're kind of in, but, you know, we're already there. We're already spending money to stay the night. You might as well do the early aspect and see what's there and at least get an idea. But another reason why I want to do early aspect is sometimes we also learn Saturday. Some of these vendors are so bombarded it's kind of difficult for them to uh um be able to have a conversation with somebody so if this is something where like again back to lorcana cards if i want to if i find somebody who's actually has lorcana and might be interested in buying it i would like to have a five ten minute conversation where i don't have a whole lot of distractions yeah yeah it should be fun i uh i was thinking you know in my head Saturday's the day to sell because the vendors want to, you know, they they are more likely, in my opinion, to buy stuff Saturday than they are Sunday because they have a whole day and a possibly two whole days to then sell that stuff immediately to make a quick flip. Yeah, You're not going to find many vendors who are buying stuff in the afternoon Sunday because they're trying to wrap it up. And then... uh Sunday is definitely the day to buy. I mean, no matter what way you look at it, but you yeah. just run the risk of things not being there. So if there's something there you for sure want on a Saturday, you know, go ahead and jump on it. But if it's something that multiple vendors have and it's not too crazy of an item, you know, if you can wait till Sunday, that's that's the day to, to buy. Well, and that's another thing with the kind of the price points you're talking about with some of these things. You might have somebody, so say, I don't know, say there's a car that they're firm on 2500 on Saturday. They're not going to go further than maybe 2350 the next day, I would think, maybe 2300 just so it's gone. Like, it's not going to be a huge difference is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because you'd rather at that point just sell it on online. For sure. Or just wait till the next show because there's several more shows before the end of the year. There's like, what, three? There's one in August. There's three more. And a lot of these people go to them. So maybe say they just go two out of three, you know, they don't, they're looking at like the bigger picture, right? Like, whereas like the smaller crap, they might want to just like, okay, whatever, get it gone. Yeah. And the last one we had was Dallas and there, there's been a pretty big gap. So this is, it's been a long stretch between shows, but, uh, 
yeah, Kansas City's coming up, and then like pretty much a month later, it's Long Beach, and then like two or three weeks later, it's Charlotte, and then less than a month later, it's Denver. So we're gonna have a few shows back to back, but specifically between Dallas. And, oh, there is Houston, yeah. Yeah, Houston's November. coming up in November too. Okay, yeah, actually, that might be the if I end up traveling anywhere, it's going to be then <laughs> in Houston. <laughs> yeah. Because if the cars are going to hit peak, that's a that's around the time I was thinking it probably happens. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's another thing that I thought was interesting between Dallas and Kansas City. I think it's the longest stretch of shows where like the longest amount of time that passed because that was May sixth and seventh. So I guess we're about a month and two weeks, and looking at the rest of the schedule. You know, Long Beach is like a month and one week, but this is the longest amount of period between the shows that people have had to wait. Closer to two and a half months, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I guess so, yeah. So, it's a, yeah, I think that might play in our favor. These vendors have at least another week or so of stock that they've been stocking up on. So, yep. Should be pretty interesting. Wasn't it? Wasn't the last one Dallas? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That was May 6th. Oh, yeah. So I, so that's what you're saying. Oh, yeah. So two months of getting things from other people. So, yeah, they're going to be yeah, two, going to two offload a bunch. a week. So Yeah, they're going to want to be offloading as much as possible, but also they're going to want to be getting more as well, But like, just like you were saying. Yeah. I could see November also being a good place to potentially – by two because it's going to be six months before there's another one of these well not maybe not there's other vendors but for this for this organization it's going to be about six months before there's another one yeah well one last thing i want to talk about uh our strategy like as far as going in walking the floor and then our signatures yeah so yeah there it's going to be quite a few people there getting signatures signatures um let me pull up the list here i mean you can see this all in collecticon i guess we Mm -hmm. can just mention who we're gonna get and why or who we thought about getting and why not so if you want to start that off yeah so i have narrowed it down to three the first there's in theory i could get like seven of them but to cut down on costs and prioritize using it for cards, I've narrowed down to just three. And those three are... <laughs> uh, let's see. It's Sean Schimmel as Goku. Um, Goku, I mentioned before how I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan. I got a big old tattoo of Goku on my back. I don't know if I said that before, but I do. Um, like in terms of, so like Dragon Ball Z was a huge part of my childhood. Um, I can't even properly try to describe how big it was. Um, I would say, you know, the big three would probably be, you know, Goku, Pokemon, Superman slash, well, you know, Batman, I guess, uh, or those would be like the big ones I would say. And with Goku, I actually did, or Sean Schimmel, I did buy some cards um those were just some from the og set uh it's like tr- it's basically equivalent of trainer cards i'm pretty sure um 
I might get those signed by him. They all have Goku. It's like from the Saiyan saga, pretty much. Uh-huh. Um, now, what I think I might probably do instead is buy, or is also I'm also bringing a Dragon Ball Z VHS. So I have pretty much the entire Dragon Ball Z VHS set um, in my collection. I think I'm missing like technically like seven or eight total from the whole so that's like 120 130 movies so i'm only missing like seven or eight uh now there are a couple i have to replace because you know when i used to be an alcoholic i didn't take the best care of my stuff so there's probably a good 20 of them i probably have to replace at this point unfortunately um just because you know i had the the tapes out of the case those those cases got completely smashed in other cases some sort of soda or alcohol got on it it was sticky so I literally undid them from each other, and it tore a little piece off. I mean, so yeah, uh, several. Yeah, I know several of them do need need to be replaced. Now, the the one I bought was the VHS tape where Goku is Super Saiyan. So that that's the one where he turns Super Saiyan in that tape. So the or the episode is included. Um, so I want him to sign that one. I think more than anything. Now, if it doesn't come here in time, because I just kind of remembered it like you know what what do i have him sign and if if worse comes to worse i'll be getting my og one from the childhood collection out uh i really didn't want to do that i wanted to have two um just in case that that's one worth having two of and yeah so if worse comes to worse i'm gonna have to dig out that tape and it was actually only 10 bucks to buy (laughs) so i thought it was easier just to buy just to buy another one rather than trying to dig that tape out because it's like I know that's because that was in the, the, uh, the Frieza saga. So that one's going to be at the very bottom of this bin. And that bin's at the very bottom of my closet. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, it's really Dig not it worth it. Is it. But if, if I have to, that's what I'm going to have to do. Um, but still, that's what I'm going to have him signed. And then I'm going to have the voice of Mario also signed. Uh, I don't even remember his name, but I'm gonna have him sign it. Uh, My Charles Martinet. Martinet. That's it. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna have him actually sign either Mario Party Two, which was my favorite, or Super Mario World, which was my first introduction to the Mario World ever. And that's the one that we played as a kid, my brother and I. So. Basically, he's signing that cart. Um, Exactly for me, too, like that. I'd say if there was one thing, like Super Mario World would be it. I mean, it's probably the most iconic Mario game, in my opinion. That's the one me and my brother played as well. Like, so many people played that game because it came with the SNES. Yep, and it's considered the best platform game for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's my favorite, and I think it's the best one. Yeah, um, you know the other one that would make sense. You know, for Mario Party Two, I have a lot of good memories with that games, and that was my favorite Mario Party. So that I might, I'm not sure which one I'm bringing, but it's gonna be one of those two. And for the third one is Veronica Taylor, the voice of Ash. Now I, I end up getting the same exact um, card you did. I end up getting mine in the CGC nine. And the reason why I bought it was because the card looked pretty clean. And the PSA knives were going for like 150 from what I saw. Are you going to crack Nobody it out? 
Yeah, absolutely. Nobody, nobody wants it. And I'm like, this, it'll, like it looked good. Like I think it's gonna probably be PSA nine, based on what I saw. And if it's PSA eight, wh- whatever. Um, but I mean, PSA nine with her voice, you know, because it is like the TV Ash Pikachu, with her, with her signing it. I mean, that alone will probably double the card if it's like three hundred dollars. My, my guess, if it ends up being a PSA nine. Um, yeah. And there's a yeah, that's the card I'm bringing too. Um, she's obviously probably my number one signer. I'll, I kind of want to try to get her Saturday just in case, like, I don't know, I'd be really devastated if she, like, woke up throwing up and couldn't make Sunday. <laughs> I probably, I figure I'll stay in line with you because if just so it's something, so I get that out of the way. Yeah. And then the well, Mario it's, and it's, Goku. It's funny, too, because my friend who, uh, do you have a buddy who's going as well? Um, he he had me order him a copy of that same card. Um, so yeah, I'm sure like 70% of people who are in TCGs or know about the tops Ash card, like that's the card, you know, that's the, the most obvious card for her to sign. Um, so yeah, to me, it's like, why not? It's the most iconic. It's like, it's her like, sure. You mm-hmm. could do like a red, card like a red's pikachu or something but but it's not the same yeah red's not even the same character and yeah it's just weird so this is like ash and the cards themselves are based off the tv show which she voiced so it's it's the obvious choice and not just that but she wasn't the voice by the time the red's pikachu or the secret rare came out in in cosmic eclipse but that was like 2017 or something, 2018. She was no longer the voice by then. So you're really reaching if she signed that one is kind of what I was saying. Like I, that, that was the card I was considering because I do, I do love that card. But I was like, I was really thinking about like the card was made when she wasn't even the voice of it anymore. It's actually red, even though, you know, it kind of looks like Ash. We all know it's red. Um, so it's one of those things where it just makes sense to get this card. The card's okay, like, but it makes the most sense if you're going to have her sign something for it to be this card. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt for sure. Um, my list is uh, more than I thought I would, for it's sure. It's more than three? Yeah. Oh, you're going to be waiting in line a while. Veronica Taylor, obviously, number one. I got the uh, Tops Ash card. Um. If I see Gary around, I want to talk to him. kind of wanted to talk to him last year, but me and him talk on Instagram. And, uh, you know, I actually talked to him a couple weeks ago, and he said, yeah, I'll be there. I'll see you there. But, you know, he he's so busy. He helps with the event, and he's got so many people talking to him. But I want to – I don't know if he's, like, paying for signatures because he's not, like, a person that sits there and you get signatures from. He's just a guy who's like around the show. So I would like him to sign a, uh, one of my Charizard cards that I have in a binder. Cause I guess that's something I mentioned as well. I think I'm going to bring a binder along and it's going to be the binder that I keep all my signature cards in from like the E4 so it's it's going to be a nice little thing. If I pick up any loose cards, I can just toss them in there. 
Um, that's where I'm going to keep all my signatures. If I meet someone there, which maybe someone listening to this gave me their signature, but I hope to like, instead of like a business card that I'm just going to like follow them and throw away, like may, Hey, can you sign, sign a card for me? Just, just to have as a memory or something. So that's kind of a, a secondary goal and like a fun goal. I'm going to be carrying around a little binder, getting people's signatures. So he uh, wasn't a part of the E4 thing, so I need to get his signature in there just casually. Um, I want to get Dan Green and Eric Stewart, the voice of Yugi and the voice of Kaiba. Um, kind of kind of cool. Dan Green did the voice of Entei and Mewtwo, you know, iconic voices of Pokemon. Um, Mewtwo in the first movie and the third movie, Entei, was awesome. But, of course, the voice of Yu-Gi-Moto. And uh, not a Yu-Gi-Oh! collector now. I'm actually uh, getting rid of the last few Yu-Gi-Oh! items I have here soon. But uh, no doubt impactful to my childhood. Um, and Dane Green, obviously, he voiced Kaiba. Um, on the Pokemon side, he has more of a portfolio. He he did Squirtle, Blastoise, Brock, Jolteon, James, and Charizard. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to have both of them sign the same card. And I actually got a token card from Yu-Gi-Oh. Let me look it up here. It is a token card. Um, it is a Japanese, it's a TK04-JP001. So token four of JP001. Um, it is a Yugi and Kaiba. Um, they have the, uh, you know, the, I forgot what they call it. Not the glove, but the dual discs. It's kind of the thing after what they had in like Battle City. But it's got both of them together. And I'm going to see if they'll sign the same card for me. So that'll be pretty cool. I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. I'm just worried that, like, there's an empty space where the text box is because it's just a token. But it's like one of them's probably going to sign the entire surface there. Then the other one's going to sign up on the artwork or something. But whoever signs it first, I'm going to tell them, oh, yeah, I'm going to have Dan sign it too. Or I'm going to have Eric sign it too. So they'll they'll know but uh yeah so that's that's three right there that i gotta pay for for sure um you know gary i'll just see around the convention hopefully but uh i thought you said you're getting mario right yeah i was gonna say mario and i guess that's about it so i guess four total for me so that's not that bad you don't count gary but well, the way I see it, if you look at all these guys or all these voice actors, they're pretty much there. There is lo- there's a few other ones, um, and and other areas which kind of, kind of makes sense, right? But a lot of these people, they are at these sorts of conventions all the time. Um, like there is one more person. There is actually technically three more. You mentioned a few of them: uh, the voice of Kaiba, the voice of Yugi, and the voice of Naruto. Uh, that lady, all three of those are ones that I would like to have as well, but they're like secondary tier for me, and I'd rather just get it. Now. 
next year because I'm sure cause I'm pretty sure Kaiba was here last year, right? I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, Dan, who plays Yugi, wasn't. But yeah, uh, yeah. And for the Mario for uh, Charles, I got a Mario card that was released by Panini. I can't remember what year it is, maybe 2018, but Panini had a uh, a trading card collection released. And uh, so it's got a cool little, just kind of a blank Mario pose. But uh, yeah, I'll have to get a picture with him doing the Mario jump or something. <laughs> yeah, and another thing, the reason why I, will, I wanted to get him as well is because um, he's also the, the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, he's like, what, probably almost 70 at this point, if not in his 70s. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I'd rather just get it because, you know, hope for the best. But, you know, at that age, things can just, even if you're wealthy, things can just go downhill fast. So, yeah. Yeah, you never know. So, yeah, every, everyone else is secondary to me. Um, the only other one that I have a connection to, I mean, Tara Strong, who did the voice of like Timmy Turner, she's in. Like a bunch of the iconic TV shows from the '90s, she was a yeah. She was the voice of the Raven, right? Yeah, Raven, uh, Harley yeah. Quinn in the show, yeah. Dill Pickles, Timmy Turner, one of the uh, My Little Ponies. So yeah, she she's iconic, but it's like you know, I I don't. There's no cards. Like there's My Little Pony trading card game, but I don't know. I'm I'm more about the cards. Like I I like the cards, not really other things. It would really be cool to get Charles. Like if I could get his signature twice, I would probably get it on the SNES cartridge as well. Because yeah, that's the most sentimental item I can think of with me and my brother. Yeah. As well. Yeah, like, it just makes most sense. I I would love to have it on like a Mario card mainly. Um, the, I think it's 295, not the full R, but the other one. I wouldn't want his signature on the, I don't think, on the actual full art. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I'd, so, but if I bought the other one, I, w- I would be okay having his signature on that one, though. Yeah. I would rather but, have the artist of the Mario Pikachu sign that card than him, because... Yeah. Yeah, like Veronica Taylor, like his voice isn't connected in the same yep. way. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Goku, I mean, if I, if I'm there and I'm itching for another auto and I see a Goku card, like I'd probably pick that up. Um, I love Dragon Ball Z, but I never really had like the diehard connection. Like a lot of people have growing up. Um, but it's probably, you know, just because of what it is, like it's Goku, <laughs> you know, it's like, a yeah, I'm totally gonna get that signature if I if I'm casually walking and I see a Goku card that's pretty cheap and like there's no line. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go get that. <laughs> I to say I think Goku. I'm not saying he's like he doesn't have the same symbol as like I mean, he kind of does, but as like the Superman, as like the S or like the Hope or whatever. Um, but you know, a lot of people know. Obviously, there was inspirations from what Sun Wukong from the Chinese lore, but they're he was also clearly heavily inspired by Superman. I mean, the parallels are identical. Like, you know, uh, last child born sent out on a 
Earth meant for, or on a planet meant for destruction, adopted by a somebody in the country that this you know instilled strong morals in, um, grows into be this pure of heart that always see this the good in everybody, um, always is tr- the strongest one. He always just gets stronger to beat his enemy. I mean, there's a lot of factors that are clearly from from Superman. And anyways, what I'm saying is. Goku is one of the most recognizable names and characters in any medium, I believe, at this point. Uh, He's definitely, I would say, probably the most recognizable anime figure, I would say. Um, I know Luffy would be up there, but everybody, almost everybody's first introduction to anime, at least around our age, was Dragon Ball Z. For sure. So it's one of those things where, you know, Goku has reached iconic status. So it just, and like, I just have to have his signature, honestly. Yeah, I, the respect is there for me. Like, if there's nothing else I want to buy and like he's still around, like, that'd probably be something I, I look for. Because there was a lot of Dragon Ball Z cards. Yeah. Last year, but. And it's another one of those things where his voice or the English dub version of Dragon Ball Z is probably one of the only, like, I've, I don't think I've ever even watched the full English of, like, Naruto, actually, or, like, My Hero Academia. <laughs> uh, so, like, but Dragon Ball Z is, I associate it with the English. I only watch it in the English, but I've watched, like, Dragon Ball Super and Dragon Ball in Japanese. But for Dragon Ball Z, my first introduction, I actually prefer it in English because that's what I originally started watching it with. So again, his voice I associate more than any any other any other. I feel like, yeah, yeah, pretty iconic. But I was going to talk about little strategies for walking around the floor, but I mean, I guess we can go ahead and hop on into the questions. I was yeah. I was pretty much just going to say like. I plan to do kind of a casual, quick scan around, kind of like we did last year, just walk around, take it in, stop at, you know, whatever grabs us, and then just slowly kind of casually yeah. see what happens. But I w- will be trying to find the people we sold to last time. I am, am a little peeved that they basically ghosted me after I try to, like, contact them with selling stuff. So, But that tells me I won't say, like, the name again. We did mention them multiple times last year, but... Why did you write me, me back? Well, it was one of those <laughs> things. They contacted me. They were interested, and then they just ghosted me. Yeah. When it got time to like talking about price, it's fine if you didn't want to do a transaction like that over uh, like you know social media. That's completely fine. But just tell me. Don't waste my time. You know the well, the, the hey. lack of clear the the lack of like just being straight up. Like I understand you're not wanting to buy it, but just tell me. Don't say like, yeah, we'd be interested in buying that. They straight up said that. Twice. Yeah. So I got peeved after I basically got ghosted and I just, I ended up selling it elsewhere anyways, but it just really pissed me off. Um, but anyways, I'm going to find them because I'm pretty sure a lot of these people, they're, they do things to evade taxes, which, you know, it is what I'm not judging, but it's just, it's pretty clear. There's a lot of under the table stuff going on. And it's one of those things where that's why I'm pretty sure they didn't want to do business over social media because then it would be associated with the third-party apps and there would be a paper trail of it. Yeah, and they do deal with a lot of <clears throat> casuals. You know, a lot of these events are 
people who are just, you know, generally attending the event, not really on business like we are. Yeah. So a lot of the cards or people they see are like, yeah, I have this old binder from when I was little, you know. So to some extent, I mean, that's just kind of who most the people are. So I'm sure it's very annoying to deal with. But well, it's the what, what not streamers. Those are the ones that they 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 have their own site for mystery boxes too. But anybody that has mystery boxes and what not streamers, those individuals are often able to charge the top dollar market price. Yeah. So and they are able to get rid of product quickly. That's why they're able to get more for things because they're able to just they get it. It's gone within a month, more or less. Mm-hmm. But yep, for sure. But I guess with that though, we can go ahead and hop on. We got some uh, quick little questions here, and then we'll wrap it up. But my uh, my question was pretty much about the signatures. Um, if there was one signature you could have, like no matter what, whether it be a collecticon or a, a Japanese artist. Sure, it would probably be Komiya for you, but yeah. <laughs> if there was like any one Grail signature card, like what what would that be for you? Um, let's see. I definitely think Komiya would definitely be at the top of the list. Um. I'm, I think the other one would probably be Arita and Saito. It would probably be one of... If you're talking about the hobby, it would probably be one of those three. Yeah. Each one have their reasonings why. Komiya, because he's my favorite. However, I would say the Mario Pikachu is probably one of my all-time favorite cards. The Ancient Mew probably be number one. And then the Mew being like right behind it. And then, while I often kind of talk trash on people obsessed with Charizard I acknowledge what the Charizard was in my childhood so I would have to have Arita and it would have to be on that card Yeah. or getting a, a first edition and ha- having them sign that but yeah so like each have, have their own reasonings why but it would be one of those three like if it was like spinning the bottle I didn't have a choice it's just on whichever one it ended up I would be okay with any three of them because you remember how the site was in Baltimore. Honestly, I don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, so yeah, it's just so annoying how signatures have went. Um, you know, with all the hype, but I wouldn't mind buying a few here and there. Like ultimately, if I have all my Grail cards, like I would probably chase maybe a couple signatures. <laughs> Um, Ken Sugimori obviously would be the most iconic, just the godfather of all Pokemon artwork. Um, really have no idea what card that would be though. Um, a couple of grails I can think of is like, there's a Christopher Rush signed Mewtwo out there. Um, he's the creator of Magic the Gathering and he did the artwork for one of the Mewtwo promos on the Black Star promos. So there's a card where he actually signed the Mewtwo that he illustrated. 
And that's the only card he illustrated for Pokemon. So it was kind of a cool little collab. And um, for those familiar with magic, Christopher Rush had passed away quite a while ago. So there are no more signatures being made, obviously. But yeah, that, that card is quite the price tag. <laughs> um, talking probably 20000 for that card or more. Because, um, yeah, there there's not very many out there. But uh, another one would be Arita and the Charizard. But I, as much as an icon base set Charizard is, I never really cared for the artwork. You know, my artwork talks go on and on about symmetry and all, but just kind of kind of a weird pose for me. So that would obviously be up there, but not my chase. But one of my biggest cards that I have, obviously the 20th anniversary Festa. Um, so that would probably be my number one is to get that signed by Naoki Saito. Um, I would probably want to keep my 10 and then have another 10 with her signature on it. Maybe that's the ultimate grail, but yeah, I would, I would like to have that thing signed. But that's the one that yeah. just makes the most sense, I guess, because it's the number one. I'd say for me, on most things, signatures aren't the biggest thing. I think with baseball players, it's a little bit different. But yeah, there's some artists, but it's a little bit hard, harder. But it ultimately, the anime voice is definitely up there, but there's not as much to choose to sign for those people. Like with, like with Naruto, I have no idea what I'd get her. I guess maybe a Mahanga, I would have, but it doesn't make sense because she was the voice, English voice. But like, it's one of those things where, what else do I have them sign? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's also not like a main priority. So it'd probably be some basically one one of the ones I mentioned for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I don't know. I think I may have said her for Saito, but it is a he. <laughs> I get get them mixed up with another artist, but yeah. But yeah, either way, I'd like to have him sign that card and would be for sure like one of the, the best grails. But uh Yep. Anyway, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Well, I had one question. Oh fast. yeah, that's right. I forgot about your question. Yeah. yeah. Uh it's this one won't be too long. I was like, if you sold everything you want to sell, what grails would you want to buy? Since we are discussing big goals this <clears throat> episode. Grail or Grails? If I sold everything I want to sell, or if I sold yeah, not everything. not because we've I think we've had a question before. If you sold everything, what would you get? This is just everything you want to sell. So if you're basically consolidating the parts of your collection you don't want into one or like two potential Grails, what would it be? Um, right now that's kind of my goal of the Mario in a ten. And the screen mimic you in a ten, um, which I had the screen mimic you in a ten, and I even had the green party in a ten as well, which I'm also after. But you know, I had to make those plays to move some money around for Lorcana and all that. So though those are currently it. But if I had an even bigger card, I don't know what that would be. I mean. 
potentially a trophy Pikachu, like number one trainer old school Pikachu. Really? I mean, that would be... That would be like the grail of grails that could possibly be in reach for me if I like sold literally everything I owned. Like if I busted into my binders and graded those cards and sold those cards. And if I graded my gold stars and sold those cards, if I graded my first edition cards and sold those cards, like Just I, get the illustrator then. <laughs> well, I think even with all that, like I would have to be, like that would be my price range would still be a, a trophy. I think. I don't even know how much they're going for now. I have a number of like two hundred fifty thousand in my head, but I think that's way, way more than what they actually are. But I'm talking like a nine PSA nine or a ten. But yeah, I mean of course I'm sure one of the other ones are are lower grade is much cheaper, but yeah, it'd be the first place fat Pikachu holding his little trophy up in the air. Illustrator obviously be number one up there too, but I mean that card is to a pretty much untouchable level. And I don't even know if I'd want to buy it at that price, even if I had the money to safely buy that. Like, if I could sell everything and have enough money to buy an Illustrator... Is it the one for 2015? Is that the is that the one you're referring to with the one trainer? Because they came out with a bunch of those. Yeah, each year there's a handful of them, but uh, it's the old artwork, the half art. That's what I would I would be into. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah and they say one of them is a PSA 9 they're wanting 300000 for, which you can probably get them down more. Yeah. So I mean, if I totally agree, oh, I think I think this is a is this oh it's one of the ones where the Pikachu looks derpy. Yeah, it's like the old school fat Pikachu. Well, Pratt has his at two million, which he always just puts his up like at ridiculous price points just to show off. But this is a nine or a ten. I think his you know one. I just saw it. I think it's a nine. It's an eight. Oh really? Yeah, let me see. Here's a number one trainer card. But yeah, essentially they, they went to full art trophies now. So when you go to Worlds, you know, they give out number one, number two, number three, and number four now. Um, so one of, the, one of the rarest cards is actually like a number four trainer. I think they... Uh, they did one year. They had like a, I don't know it. I used to know all the history and everything, but essentially yeah, they, went, just... they went from half arts to full arts, and then there was one year where like, I don't know, there was very little of the fourth or like the first year of the fourth, and then they swapped, uh, swapped artworks the next year or something like that. But there's one year where like the fourth place is like the rarest or something like that. Shows you how much I know or keep up. Like these, these are things I learned years ago, but I don't keep up with them because if I had the money, I don't think I would do it. Um, I'm just the price about. range. I mean, it's a select few because you're looking at several hundred thousand just for any of these. Yeah, and like, it's just being not able to worth it. 
No, it's the art isn't even that great, and it's like it's yes, it's scarcity, right? But ultimately, these other people want it, and I understand the desire to have it because it's a one of one, and it's a trophy, and it's a <gasps> monumental car because it's the winner of that year of the TCG. So I get some of the allure, but ultimately, I'd rather not buy those cars. I think some of it is just thrown. It's it's kind of a status thing. Yeah, is kind of what I I think it is. Like some of the people that have these train that have these cards beforehand, they really want the scarcity of it. But some of it was the value, you know. But I just don't, I don't think there's anything special with these cards. Even if I like, like you said, even if I had the money, I wouldn't be interested in these cards. Yeah, it was uh, the 2014 World Championships is when they uh, did the full art stuff. So. Uh... Yeah, it's uh, a little weird, but yeah, it, it'd be up there. But yeah, too too expensive, too much of a hassle. And if I bought a card like that, I would have to like just lock it up forever and just kind of forget about it. But I don't know. I like chasing the handful of, of cards. You know, maybe, you know, I'm making the decision right now to like sell 50 cards so I could have a stack of 10 cards that are worth more. So maybe in the future I'll sell my stack of 10 cards to have two cards that are worth the same price. So that's my habit over time. So we'll see what happens, but <laughs> I'd probably buy a like PSA nine first ed Charizard or slowly build like a PSA nine first edition base set while they're still cheap. If I had that money right now, so, so if you're in the market for Owatsi, especially the uh, before Neo, now's the time to buy. Yeah, and as far as for me, it would probably be a. It'd be between these. It'd be between like a higher grade first edition base set Charizard, a. Mario Pikachu and a 2009 illustration contest Arceus. Those would probably be the ones I'd be looking at. It'd be like a PSA 10 Mario is what I'd be looking at. And it pro those are probably the main ones I think for me. Because I was actually looking at Vince at Yeti Gaming because if I end up selling to him, I would like to have a big amount of trade potentially for cards. And unfortunately, he doesn't have a lot of – like he has high-end Pokemon, but not the high-end Pokemon that I'm looking for. So – but yeah, sure. anyways, anyways, what I, I would end up doing would be – one those cards and like for example if it were i don't expect him to have a heavy rc's card and that's going to be more than i'm going to be wanting to spend in but if he had any of the poncho pikachus and a nine mario luigi a like psa five or higher first edition charizard i'd be willing to buy all of those yeah or just to consolidate yeah because yeah, and then I will sell those later on, or a few of them. And and if not that, I will pick just a couple of those and go from there. 
Because the PSA 5 first edition is actually not crazy expensive. I think it's only like 2500 Or hold on. For the Zard? To eBay! For first edition Zard? Yeah. Oh, they're about 5K still. Are they? Pretty much right now, like yep. aside from the ones, um, the grade is pretty close to the price from like... PSA threes or three K, four, four K, five, five, six, six. Well PSA seven it gets up to yeah, closer seven, to ten. Seven it creeps up a little bit and then eights a little more. I would get I would potentially want anywhere from a five to a seven. Um and a six is okay to me because it's basically near mitt and that's clean. So I might get that, but essentially like I depending on how much it is, I would want something comparable in value. And the way I see it is is the first edition Charizard the end-all, be-all for what I want? No, but it's the most iconic card in the hobby. It is probably the Bitcoin of Pokemon TCG. It is one of those things where there's always going to be buyer for that card. It's, re- it's reached an iconic status that it's never going to lose. It can only it reaches status that only cards will rise to it. Never will that card decrease below it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to our point that we were just making with the trophy cards. Like, if you have a trophy card, yeah, it's worth way more sometimes, but the amount of work you have to do to find a buyer and all that stuff yep. is insane. It could be years. It could be years before you sell something like that. But, like, the Charizard, yeah, it's crazy expensive, but, like, the liquidity is there. It's not so out of reach to the very few niche handful of people who are I a could, knowledgeable yep. and b have that money, so that's I could literally I like, go just having more lesser value cards. I was gonna say I could go to Vince and Yeti in the middle of a hype, like a twenty twenty level hype, with that card, and he would probably give me somewhere between seventy and seventy five percent cash, maybe tra- a little bit of trade, but mo- probably about seventy to seventy three percent cash, right yeah. then and there, like. If you consider the amount sold in a week too, yep. And if you consider the amount of taxes that I would have from eBay, and I assume by then they'll have the tax law fixed or like you know adjusted. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. All I'm saying is it'd be immediate. Now, if you brought that card to him, he'd probably be able to buy it, but he's going to straight up tell you, like, listen, it's going to take me a while to find a buyer for this, potentially months. So I can only give you like sixty-five percent cash. Because of it. Yeah. But maybe not. He might give the same amount, but it's a lot more cash I have on hand, and he's going to go based on the last solds, not what people are thinking are trying to get for it right now. And then that's what he's going to sell it for. But it's, I mean, from, from a business part, it makes sense. But yeah. Yep. But I guess we'll wrap it up there, y'all. It was, yep. Uh... Shortest episode ever. <laughs> Now that one where we were having audio issues was shorter. We're at we're at an hour and forty minutes. Yeah, we kind of we kind of went on a little bit. I figured it'd be about this long, maybe because at some point one of us was going to go on for a few minutes. So yeah, but uh, yep, I guess we'll leave it there, and we will see y'all in the next one. We're gonna go over Collecticon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll talk about how much of the stuff we actually said we actually did. Yeah. Spoiler, it'll be nothing. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. See you there. (laughs) All right. Y'all have a good one. Peace out.